Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. what the Stuart Group's all about before we get into today's topic. We are a financial services company. We've got financial planning at our core, so we help people achieve their goals and objectives in life by making smart decisions with their money. They've got one of the smartest looking buildings in Hawke's Bay, and I think, ooh, that must be for you know, the movies and the shakers, but it's not so. No, no, it's not, but I, I do appreciate your um, eye for detail that it is a nice looking building. We built the building to last. Mm. So we moved in there in um, October 2008 in the middle of the GFC, the Global Financial Crisis. And now uh, the building looks good. It's currently flying uh, an Anzac poppy flag today. And you've been in business for, what, 35, 36 years? This is our 30, 36th year of, yeah. of operation, yes. So you have been doing something right, Nick. Uh, we have. We, yeah, we, we do our best to help the good folk of Hawke's Bay and also Wellington these days as well. Now, you're big into KiwiSaver, uh, insurance, anything to do with money, really, aren't you? Absolutely. Yep. We just don't provide mortgages, uh, nor do we provide fire and general home and contents insurance, but we refer people to specialist partners who are um, yeah, specialists in their field in those particular areas. Now, today we're here to talk about the 300. Mm. If you're as old as me, I was just about there <laughs> with them. Tell us about the 300. Uh, the 300. So we have been writing in the Hawke's Bay today under our column called Canny View. We're good um, traditional Scottish folk. So we came up with the word, um, yeah, the Canny View. That column just, we just wrote our 300th column um, about 10 days ago. Wow. And um, so that's 300 is... A monumental number, you know. When you think about it, you know, a lot of us have watched that movie with the the Spartans yes, with indeed. Leonidas at the uh, at the hot gates in the Battle of Thermopylae. You know, three hundred. It's when I think back, you know, when I was asked to write an article every week in the newspaper, I never thought we'd get to three hundred. <laughs> and you know, most people run out of ideas. You know, like they've got, you know, most of us have 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 a couple of great ideas we can write about. But it's amazing how. After a period of time, it's like muscle memory. Mm-hmm. It's like, Ken, you know, you and I, we could probably walk a marathon or a half marathon today, but the fact is to consistently do that every single Saturday, yep. it's quite taxing. Sure. And you do become a bit run down, but we really enjoy it. It's kind of become, as I said, muscle memory. It's second nature, and we're always thinking about, hey, what can we write next week and what can we write the, the, the week after? In terms of this 300th article, we actually started writing it about two and a half to three months uh, before that Saturday. Yeah. But of course, finances are the never-ending story, you know, so you can just keep rehashing it and rehashing it, and it applies to everyday life, doesn't it, all Correct. the time? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the issues that we've faced historically, well, we will face mm. those again next year. It's like, you know, people since Adam was a boy have struggled to, you know, 
write their balance sheet have struggled to live within their means. You know, like I was listening, listening to a, a podcast on Rome over the last couple of weeks, and um, it's about 18 and a half hours of this podcast yeah. series. And it's interesting, you know, the same fiscal issues that the Romans were battling with in 4950 BC, mm. we're battling with today. It's yeah. called a deficit. And, you know, the Roman state was spending more than it earned and it was borrowing. We've got the same thing at the moment. We, You know, our country right now has the largest deficit since we started keeping records, which was from 1988. Light yeah. at the end of the tunnel? Uh, there is always light at the end of the tunnel because human beings, we're incredibly innovative uh, as a species. We're really, really good at what we do. And that innovation and glass half full mentality has done us really, really well. Now, your article, it's a, it's a great mm. article. I said we're having a bit of a squizzle before we got here. And uh, you know, historically, let's go through it. Uh, tell us what you mean by stay in your seat. Well, we know that those that stay in their seat and adhere to a strategy, they win. So the key is to stay in your seat with an investment and with a strategy to see it through. Because when you created the strategy, you didn't build the strategy for 30, 60, or 90 days. You built the strategy for the long term. Now, in many people, that strategy can be saving for a home, saving for a car. It can be saving for retirement. It could be your intergenerational succession planning, which is another article I've recently uh, um, written. Now, when you build those strategies, as I said, they're long-term strategies. Mm. Even the one, you know, like I think about, you know, um, children saving for their first car, that's not a 30, 60 or 90 day strategy. It, not. it might take them five years. Yes. So why would one capitulate when you've got market volatility or some negative news and derail your long term strategy? So that's the key about staying in your staying in your seat, sticking to the plan, doing the mahi and being rewarded um, with with, you know, the patience of time. I agree with you 100%. However, when you look at, say, mum and dad investors who haven't been uh, thinking about it for as long as you have, they panic. And they say, wow, the stock market's going down or the banks might be failing overseas. Let's, mm. let's do something with our money right now. And they panic and they take the money out. How, how would you reassure the mum and dad investors? Well, the first thing, <clears throat> the first step is that the mum and dad investors need to seek advice and guidance from someone who's independent when I mean independent, they're not a product provider. They're someone that is acting in the best interests of the mum and dad investor. So someone who's impartial, which is great. Yes. So that's not talking to your mate at the water cooler or around the barbecue. It's talking to a professional. And the professional will give unemotive, unimpeded, conflict-free advice on what the person, the best course of action yeah. And that's really important that people do reach out for advice, whereas there are some folk who are DIY and they will always be DIY. Mm. It's like some people, they will never employ a builder, a, pla a painter, a plasterer to fix or remediate their home. They will always do it themselves. There are just those that have that mm. itch. Yes. And, and you and I, we all know that who, you know, <laughs> they just are. They want to do it themselves. That's fine. They won't seek advice. But most people do need to seek advice and some help. And that's when I encourage people. When you're making major monumental decisions such as not adhering and pulling the pin on a strategy, there can be some ramifications down the track. They may not be seen immediately, but they will be seen in the fullness of time. For example, 
If you were to capitulate right now at, say, age 55 on your KiwiSaver strategy and you went from a growth strategy to a conservative strategy because you can't handle what's happening in the news, but you say, when it's safe to go back in the water again, I'll swap back to a growth strategy. Mm. Well, the problem is, when it's you know safe to go back in the water again, most of the time the market has already recovered yeah. and some of what it lost and you get back in, so you you cement what was a paper loss into a permanent loss. You then you then rotate back into those growth assets when the growth assets have recovered in price and are now technically more expensive than they were. Now, if you rinse and repeat that process over time, you will eventually go broke. Yeah, of course. But you will not realize what you've left on the table until, again, that fullness of time. So at 65 and you're sitting there saying boy, you know, 10 years ago, I really shouldn't have opted out of the growth strategy because it's cost me X hundred thousand dollars of my long-term wealth. And as you get older, you don't get a second chance. No, you do not. And uh, we've many times talked about cycles and uh, I think everyone knows or has heard of the seven-year cycle. Mm. Is that still the same? So is that what you were talking about, that uh, the markets at the moment, for instance, probably aren't the best to get into? Is this like a seven-year cycle or is it different? Um, No, look, it... There are all these kind of cliches and rules yeah. of thumb, but the fact is that we know that every now and again that the market will have a negative period. Now, some markets actually don't have a negative period for many decades. Like Australia wasn't called the lucky country for nothing. Mm. Uh, you know, it escaped recession for 30 years, uh, had a average um, GDP or gross domestic product rate much higher than God's own here in New Zealand. Their stock market also produced um, probably, I think it was when I looked at the numbers, it was at around an extra 1 to 1.5% extra return per year than our market. That adds up over a period mm. of time. But eventually, yes, they also, you know, when the world market, you know, when the US catches a cold, well, sorry, what is the term? When the US sneezes, we catch yeah. a cold. <laughs> so eventually the Australians caught a cold and, you know, they, they their market does drop. Yeah. But it just depends. Look, so if we think about the monumental events that have affected most of us in living memory, so you've got the 1987 stock market crash, the uh, tech crash of 2000 followed by the 2001 Twin Towers event, you've then got the global financial crisis in 2008, then you've got the post-COVID hangover. Now, I don't know what people are actually calling this more recent uh, calamity because it's a cluster of many things like inflation, cost of living crisis, printing too much money at the central banks, but let's just call it the COVID hangover. When you think about all those events, they're kind of spread out relatively evenly over time. Mm. But the question is, they don't all appear at a seven-year cycle. Some of them were um, you know, more like 10 years out. Some of them are much closer. But that's why you need advice, and that's why you need to build a really robust plan for the future. Which is a good segue into balanced portfolios. What's the, why is it important to not have all your eggs in one basket? Right. If you were lucky enough, potentially wise enough, but probably more luck, to choose a single asset that never goes down and, and suffers no volatility and is a spectacular investment, then yes, you wouldn't need to diversify and hold a you know balanced, diversified strategy. What is but, that asset, by the way? <laughs> exactly. And no one knows what that asset is until the event has already occurred. Yep. Okay. But the fact is that 
there are not many of us that have that kind of Midas touch. And I use the word Midas because it's a kind of combination of luck yeah. and and wisdom. Um, whereas if we think about it, most of us prefer to have a well-engineered, well-diversified portfolio that lessens the risk that, hey, what happens if that single investment we chose fails? Just ask someone who's been into any of the cryptocurrencies. Mm. Um, a lot of those people are licking their wounds and wishing they had never gone into that that certain asset class because, A, it's been incredibly volatile. B, some of the assets that they purchased don't exist today. Is there a portfolio that you might recommend above others? I mean, uh, you know, in my years of uh, being involved and trying to get rich, um, I was thought, real estate. Real estate's <laughs> where it's at. You can't go wrong with real estate. Um, no, it... No, it's it's more a question that you want to hold a little bit of all of the assets because real estate's really good and it's great. I mean, we all need a home per se, but outside owning a home or a batch, you're then saying, well, which asset class do I want to mm. own? Do I want to have everything that's within my neighborhood, within my regional economy, within one asset class and one currency and one nation? Or would I prefer to have other asset classes, other industries, other countries, other you know, other currencies and that's where diversification comes to the fore. Because actually, there was a, a pod, like um, each morning I, um, well, most mornings I walk out, our Labrador keeps keeps her fit and me fit. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday on some historical studies on what happened if you invested capital in the 1920s before everything blew up in Eastern Europe. And when I mean Eastern Europe, you think about. In the 1920s, stock markets were developed in countries like Czechoslovakia, Austria, Hungary, Germany, as well as the nations that we all invest in um, today and, and know well, you know, United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, etc. But what happened in the 1930s with your investments in Czechoslovakia, Germany and Austria? Well, many of the companies you invested in were nationalised. Many of the companies were bombed to oblivion. They didn't exist. Many of the stock markets actually closed for a decade because they went down behind the Iron Curtain. Mm. You could not sell nor no. nor remove your capital. So that is why you need diversification. Sure. Now, it, and the other people will say, yeah, but Nick, New Zealand and Australia, you know, we're very, very different than those countries. Well, if you went back and interviewed someone from the 1920s, they would have said, Exactly the same. <laughs> they didn't know their country was going to become behind the Iron Curtain within um, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, so again, diversification of investment. Sure. Okay, now I think it would be fair to say that currently New Zealand is in a recession of sorts. Is this a time where we should be reviewing our portfolios or is this where we should be knuckling down and staying in our okay. seat? So for many people, they don't have a strategy. So now is a time to build a strategy. There's nothing like, you know, testing your metal when there's a little bit of volatility. Gets people thinking. Yep. Like, hey, you know, how tight is our budget? Maybe I should mm. have a budget. Hey, the fact is, you know, we had a global pandemic and I don't have a will. I don't have an enduring power of attorney over a property or my, you know, um, personal uh, welfare. There's nothing like now to mm. build a plan. Now, f but for those people that have a plan, there's nothing like getting a warrant of fitness. You do it with your car. You know, with a commercial property, we have to have a warrant of fitness, yep. making sure that the building systems work and if there's a fire, everything works, you have an escape plan. Why wouldn't you have a warrant of fitness and a second opinion on your portfolio? Sure. And I guess in a recession, uh, it's a, an opportunity for people to make 
in some respects, a lot of money. Absolutely. Look, um, Warren Buffett, you know, sage, wise man, the oracle of uh, Omaha, as they call him, uh, the man with the Midas touch, one of the few. And if you think about it, like one of his comments is that, you know, the market is a great mechanism for transferring wealth from the impatient to the patient. Now, when I mean that, I don't mean someone who's heading in for surgery. I'm saying the patient investor. So at the moment, a lot of wealth transfers between those who are inpatient, who are having to pull up stumps on their their strategy, uh, whether that strategy be an investment portfolio, their KiwiSaver, their uh, residential houses, their commercial property, their farm, their batch. At the moment, a lot of those are being transferred at a discount to what they were six months, 12 months, and 18 months ago. Mm. So yeah, wealth is transferred from one party to the other. It just is sped up very, very quickly through a period of market volatility, and particularly in a country when you're in recession. Because when you're in recession, what the effective term is that it's two periods of, when I mean periods, two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product. In other words, the productivity of the nation declines over two consecutive quarters. That's very painful. So because normally, you know, the you know most developed world countries click along at a rate of somewhere between 2 and 3% growth. And, you know, it's, it's good. That's healthy. But when it goes negative, there are, just remember, even though it's negative, not everyone is affected negatively. There are some people who are still cranking along yeah. at 5 or 6% or even 3%, which means there's a lot of people that are actually down, you know, negative 4, negative 5%. And that's extremely painful. So on that basis, that's why, um, you know, we all need to think for the long term. Yeah. Uh, recently, the uh, OCR went up 50 points. They reckon that the next time they review, it's going to go up another 25 points. Are we in a, an era where cash is king? Mm. Or do you, do you agree with those figures? Do you think it's going to go up again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look, yeah. I mean, they're trying, to, they're trying to tame the beast that is inflation. Mm. And they will just continue to go and go until they see that, you know, inflation capitulates and starts to drop. Now... Our GDP numbers always – some countries produce their GDP numbers every month. Our numbers are produced every three months, which is tedious. Yes. You know, we're a modern country. You think we could get data out quicker than that. If the U.S. can get their data out in 30 days, why can't we? Mm. We're only five, five and a half million people. Small little nation. So anyway, sorry for the uh, rant on that for the stats department. But, um, but yeah, we should be able to do it better. But if you think about it, like, they will – so it's a little. It's like trying to drive a car looking in the rear vision mirror. But it's a very difficult mm. job to be um, a central banker, yep. particularly if you're the governor of the Reserve Bank, um, Adrian Orr, because no matter what you do, people will always, with the benefit of hindsight, will say you were wrong. You should have gone early. You should have gone harder. Mm. You should have gone later. You should have gone softer. Very difficult to get the Goldilocks effect. Um, yeah, and you know, you've only got to look at the tenure of former governors who, you know, they would tell you how difficult it was. Yes. You know, sleepless nights, um, et cetera. But, yeah, unfortunately, it does appear, well, the market is pricing in another 25 basis points, which is not what a lot of homeowners with a fairly significant mortgage want to hear. Yeah. Just about out of time, Nick. So I'll just, if you wouldn't mind, giving us your top three tips for people who are now looking at these uncertain times. Financially, what should they be considering? okay. Okay. Well, the first thing, remember, I said is they should seek advice Stay in your seat. 
uh, always remember that a diversified portfolio will bounce back very, very quickly. And the other one to remember is that recessions are always identified with a lag. So we know that we're in recession, as I said, 90 days after the event occurred. Well, that's a pretty bloody big lag. Yes, it is a big uh, so that's like, you know, again, I mean, that's like, um, you know, you're finding out about the results of something 90 days ago and you're trying to navigate a journey on the basis of what happened 90 days ago. That's pretty difficult to do. And that's why there is a recessionary lag. Mm. So a lot of us get, so a lot of us will be down in the mouth, down in the dumps because of what we're reading in the newspaper, which will be plus 90 days time. And, and you know, the sun will be shining. Yes. The economy is back on track. And yet people are reading news from 90 days ago. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. And so therefore to make decisions and say, like, let's say we're confirmed hypothetically today that, yep, Ken, we're in recession. And then you decide to use that stale data of 90 days to determine what assets you're going to buy and sell. Well, dare I say it, mate, it happened 90 days ago. Yeah. It's done. This sure. is another day. This is another week, another month, another quarter. And on we go. And, you know, as I said, humans are incredibly innovative in what we do. And there is always a long-term positive return on capital. We are a capitalist nation. That's what we do. And there, you know, capital will flow to the best place where it can earn the best return, just like water. You know, if you've ever had a leak in your home, you know that water right. <laughs> water can move. So can investment capital. Good on you, Nick. Just a reminder, um, tell our listeners if we need some sound financial advice, where do we get it? Uh, you can come and see us at 204 Academy Road in Hastings or on the terrace in Wellington. And if I could leave you with one last little quote, there's something quite cool, and we wrote this in this article the other day, and that's when, like, Tolstoy wrote War and Peace. The quote, the quote is, the two most powerful warriors are patience and time. You can hear I've talked about patience mm -hmm. and the impatient investor and the fullness of time. So the patience to ride the ups and the downs of the market and trust your plan. And that the fullness of time will give you the benefit from any corrections and you'll better capture both the highs and the lows. Mm -hmm.